0: I'm Jeff Braun. One potato flying solo this week. Brett is off, but he will return. I'll take a look at the plethora of new movies and theaters this week, the new movie from the Coen brothers on Netflix, and re-examine The Meg now that it's available on all platforms. But first, it's the news from the couch. Hello, oh, Hal. Do you read me? Do you read me, Hal? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. Open the pod bay doors, Hal I'm sorry, Dave I'm afraid I can't do that We've talked a lot about 2001: A Space Odyssey this year, as it is the 50th anniversary of Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece. If you've never seen it, it's about well, it's hard to explain, but it's very cool. It looks terrific. And it's a space movie. The ending is super weird, and I guess the beginning's weird too. But the middle part, with Hal, the rogue space station computer trying to kill the humans is pretty entertaining. And that's the sad news this week. Canadian actor Douglas Rain, the voice of Hal, the sentient computer, passed away. Rain was born in Winnipeg in 1928. He studied acting in Banff and then Bristol, England. He actually did much more stage acting than film and television acting over his career. Kubrick chose him for 2001 after hearing him narrate a documentary. Douglas Rain was 90 years old. Hal, I won't argue with you anymore. Open the doors. Dave. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. Saw a weird trailer this week. Welcome to Rhyme City. A celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. Tim, your dad was a legend in this precinct. If you were anything like your dad... I'm not. I remember you wanted to be a Pokemon trainer when you were young. Yeah, that didn't really work out. It's Pokemon Detective Pikachu a live-action Pokemon movie? Someone there? Whoever you are, I you know how to use this. Oh, jeez. Here we go. I know, you can't understand me, but put down the stapler or I will electrocute you! Did you just talk? Whoa. Did you just understand me? Oh my god! You can understand me! Stop! I've been so lonely! I don't know squat about Pokemon, so bear with me. Pikachu is the little yellow fuzzy thing and in this movie is also a detective. This is apparently a first in the cartoon show. I guess he's just a little yellow fuzzy thing. It's set in some big fictional city as we heard where humans and Pokemon live amongst each other. I don't know if the Pokemon are the pets or if they're all equal. And so Pikachu and this kid that find it get into an adventure. They try to talk to me all the time. All they hear is Pika Pika. You can hear him, right? Pika Pika Pika, he's adorable. You're adorable. They can't understand me, kid. Can no one else hear him? I don't need a Pokemon. Period. And what about a world-class detective? Because if you want to find your pops, I'm your best bet. We're gonna do this. You and me. If you're trying to place the voice of Pikachu, it's Ryan Reynolds, a.k.a. Deadpool and other smart alex. People went nuts for this trailer. I gather they didn't really know this movie was coming out or that it was going to be like this, so the Pokemon fanatics are pretty psyched, given the phenomenon that was the Pokemon game a couple of years ago. Probably a safe bet the movie will be a big hit. Pokemon Detective Pikachu comes out May 10th. Listen up. We got ways to make you talk. Or mime. So tell us what we want to know. Pipe, yes, okay, I can. Shoving, pushing. My problem is that I push people away and then hate them for leaving. He's saying you can shove it. What? I can shove it? Okay, that's it. No, we're switching roles. I'm bad cop, you're good cop. No, 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 we're not cops. In my head, I saw that differently. Andy's going to college. Can you believe it? What are you gonna do with these old toys? Don't you get it? We're finished, obsolete, over the hill! Now, come on, guys. We all knew this day was coming. We're getting thrown away? No, no one's getting thrown away. We ain't ever getting played with. Hold on, this is no time to be hysterical. It's the perfect time to be hysterical. Should we be hysterical? Oh, yes! Maybe, but not right now. Come on, let's see how much we're going for an EV. That's Toy Story 3, which came out in 2010. It was nominated for Best Picture that year, losing to The King's Speech, one of quite a few missteps the Academy's made in its Best Picture selections in the last decade or so. It should have either been The Social Network or Toy Story 3. It also seemed like a fitting place to end the Toy Story saga, but nope, when there's money to be made, there will be more sequels, especially if they're animated because there are fewer real-world hurdles. Whatever you dream up, takes about the same amount of work. The teaser for next summer's Toy Story 4 came out this week, and it's really just the characters holding hands, running in a circle to a Joni Mitchell song. Not much for we could use for our purposes, except at the end they stumble into each other. <laughs> Want to feel old? The first Toy Story came out 23 years ago. People who went as kids to that first one will be bringing their kids to this new one. I know it takes longer to make an animated movie, but the gaps between these things are sometimes pretty crazy. Toy Story 1 came out in 1995. Toy Story 2 in 99, that's just a four-year gap. That's pretty normal for animation. Toy Story 3 in 2010, that's an 11-year gap, which is a bit much. And now a nine-year gap again. Crazy as Toy Story 4 will be released June 21st, 2019. He's looking for us. Andy's looking for us. Listen up, we're busting out of here. Woody's no ordinary toy. He's brave. We gotta get you home before Andy leaves tomorrow. But the thing that makes Woody special is he'll never give up on you. Ever. And news this week about one of the greatest current franchises out there. I lost everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. It's John Wick. That was our first introduction into the world of John Wick in 2014. John Wick is a super assassin played by Keanu Reeves who specializes in shooting you and 20 of your best henchmen in the heads from point blank while you all come at him one after another video game style. It was a thrilling revenge movie, he was getting back at them for killing his dog, and it was a minor hit that only saw its popularity grow over time, so a sequel came out last year, it was John Wick Chapter 2. You working? Afraid so. Whoever comes, I'll kill them. I'll kill them all. Of course you will. I think I like the second one even better than the first one, at least as far as the action is concerned. And one of the main foes from Chapter 2 was played by the rapper Common, who gets into a couple of really terrific scuffles with John Wick. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Do I need to remind you that there will be no business conducted on the Continental grounds? No, senor. No, sir. Common was great in the movie and is always a welcome addition to any movie. He's one of those actors I just like seeing pop up on screen. So a bit of a bummer that Common confirmed this week he will not be in next year's chapter three. His character was left open at the end of the second one so he could have come back, but he's not. As for Keanu Reeves. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Well, obviously, he'll be back, as will Ian McShane and Lawrence Fishburne. And there'll be some new faces, including Halle Berry and Jason Manzoukas, one of my favorite comedy guys. He plays Derek on The Good Place and Detective Adrian Pimento on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. As far as we know, the TV show set in the John Wick universe, The Continental, is still being made as well over on the Stars Network. No air date announced for that yet. But John Wick Chapter 3 is set to be released May 17th. Now, may I suggest a visit to the bar? So you can calm yourselves. Gin, wasn't it? Yes. Bourbon, right? Yeah. That's the news from the couch. In a moment, I'll run down this week's new movies. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff Braun. Brett McGarry is off this week. He will return. Right now, we're going to take a few minutes to look at some of the new movies that are hitting theaters this weekend, including a big one. It's a sequel to the Harry Potter spin-off Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I have some questions for you, Professor. This is a surprise. There's a rumor that Newt Scamander is headed to Paris. I know he's working under your orders. What do you have to say for yourself, Dumbledore? If you'd ever had the pleasure to teach him, you'd know Newt is not a great follower of orders. Fantastic Beast is a spin-off franchise centering around British wizard and magizoologist zoologist Newt Scamander, played by Eddie Redmayne. The first film set in 1926 and brought Newt to the United States. It debuted in November 2016 to pretty good reviews. Made a lot of money, 234 million in North America, over 800 around the world. Now, the sequel, in which Jude Law plays Professor Dumbledore, the big cheese headmaster of Hogwarts School from the original Harry Potter stories, and Johnny Depp plays the evil wizard Grindelwald, who was in the custody of the magical Congress of the United States of America in the last film, but escapes? The time's coming, when you wouldn't have to pick a side. Are you going somewhere? No, we're going somewhere. Jeez. A lot of people dug the first movie. I'm not huge into Harry Potter, but I will stand back, and I know this thing is just going to steamroll everything else this weekend at the box office. I can't move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. Also out this weekend, Viola Davis leads a bunch of widows in the movie... Widows. Your husband stole $2 million from me. This is about my life. This is about my life. And because it's about my life, it now becomes about yours. Davis finds herself a widow thanks to her husband's criminal debt, and then she finds that some other women are in the same situation. Our husbands aren't coming back. My husband left me the plans for his next job. All I need is a crew to pull it off. Why should we trust you anyway? Because I'm the only one standing between you and a bullet in your head. Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, and Cynthia Erivo are the other widows. Liam Neeson's in it as well, but I'm pretty sure he's one of the husbands who dies right away. It's directed by Steve McQueen, the director of Twelve Years a Slave. The best thing we have going for is is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the to pull this off. If you're looking for a comedy, Marky Mark and Rose Byrne star in something called Instant Family. I love what you two are doing with this house, but what are you gonna do with five bedrooms? You guys are obviously never having kids. What was that look? I did not do a look. You're doing a look right now. There's no look. Have a good fight, guys. They're looking to add to their family and consider fostering a teenage girl. Lizzie comes with two younger siblings. Three kids? Too much. Oh Oh my god. They're adorable. Why would you show us that? That's wrong. So the next thing they know, they have three kids. As brand new parents, they are obviously, you know, overwhelmed and hilarity ensues. It looks funnier than it probably deserves to be, although my girlfriend has four kids, so I may literally be the target audience for this, and I'm actually planning on seeing it. Look at what this boy texted her. Is this that kid, Jacob? Hey! I saw the picture you sent her, Jacob. You're lucky I'll end your life right now, Carrot Top. We're gonna call your mom. You're going down today. So what do you think of that, Jacob? My name is not Jacob. What? Okay, okay, okay. And in limited release this weekend, Willem Dafoe plays Vincent Van Gogh in At Eternity's Gate. Tell me, why do you say you're a painter? Because I love painting. I have to paint. I've always been a painter. That I know. A born painter? Yes. How do you know? Because I can't do anything else and believe me, I've tried. DeFoe was robbed of an Oscar for last year's *The Florida Project*, but he's probably got a good shot at another one with this. He plays the famous Dutch painter without an accent, it sounds like, and it definitely covers a chapter of his life where he lopped off one of his ears. It also looks like the movie tries very hard not to have to show that side of his face, which might be a budget thing or might just be a coincidence in the trailer. The best news is that the director is Julian Schnabel, who is just terrific. He made *The Diving Bell* and *The Butterfly* in 2007. I think that's the last time we heard of him. That movie is amazing. So he. May very well have another best pitcher contender with at Eternity's Gate. I mentioned Jason Manzukis in The News from the Couch in the last segment. He's one of my favorite comic actors and even more so, honestly, as a podcast host. Check out How Did This Get Made if you're looking for a very funny and profane podcast about bad movies. Aside from his upcoming role in next year's John Wick Chapter 3, Zooks is in an independent movie this fall called The Long Dumb Road. He plays a drifter and he's picked up all his hitchhiking by Tony Revolori, who is driving cross-country to go to college. You may remember T- Revolori from the Grand Budapest Hotel he played the bellboy in that one. Anyways, they get together and crazy hijinks ensue. Here's a clip. Here's one. What's your favorite movie of all time? The Graduate. Done. Oh, really? Yeah. Never seen it. Really? I don't even know what it is. The Dustin Graduate? Hoffman, you know. I'll check it but out. Yeah. What, yeah. what about you? What's your favorite movie? Uh, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Really? Oh yeah. That movie is crazy. Like it's about these guys and they race all these cars uh-huh. and they like they drift the cars. I mean they're they're alright those movies to be honest. I no. mean Fast and Furious one and two? Yeah. The best movies I've ever seen. Well, I mean they like they lost their steam like by the time they got to like six. I think they're on like eight now. Wait. There's more of those movies? If you like that kind of humor, it's for you. It's out in limited release. Keep an eye out for that. Coming up after the break, we're gonna head to Coen Brothers country. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. People are so easily distracted. So, I'm the distractor with a little story. People can't get enough of them. Because, well, they connect the stories to themselves, I suppose. And we all love hearing about ourselves. So long as the people in the stories are us. But not us. This'll tell to tale. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff Braun. Brett McGarry is off this week. He will return. The new thing from the Coen Brothers is out now. It's on Netflix and it's called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I'm Buster. Buster Scruggs. You're shooting iron work. Appears to do, Yes. That's Tim Blake Nelson as Buster Scruggs, kind of a dopey cowboy in the Old West. We've mentioned this project a few times over the past year or so, and the Coen brothers have sort of shifted things around as the years gone on. It was originally supposed to be a six-episode anthology TV series for Netflix, with each episode featuring Buster, and now they're calling it a six-part anthology Movie, presumably that means they sort of shortened the parts or butted them all together each to make it into a movie. It's two hours and 13 minutes. I guess it would make sense if each of those six TV episodes had been just sitcom length, about 22 minutes or so. The cast also includes Liam Neeson, Tyne Daly, Zoe Kazan, Brendan Gleason, Stephen Root, Tom Waits, Saul Rubinek, and James Franco. Do you have anything to say before a sentence is carried out? What's my sentence? <laughs> he said that with his head in the news. Franco seems pretty dumb in this one. It looks like a funny movie. The Cohen's are good with goofy, and their other Westerns or Western adjacent movies like True Grit and No Country for Old Men were much more serious than this appears to be. I do find it very strange they changed the format after they shot it. That's not a very Cohen-ish thing to do. These guys are renowned for finalizing their scripts and not straying from them in the slightest. Nevertheless, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix right now. It's also in select theaters. I think probably just in New York and LA and those select theaters would make it eligible for awards. (laughs) Escalating out here in the West. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. That man is a wonder. I'll oh, we'll just have to see you, won't ah, crazy business. Speaking of awards... And the Oscar goes to... <laughs> the Shape of Water. That's Warren Beatty along with Faye Dunaway getting it right that time as The Shape of Water won the Best Picture Oscar in the spring. Between then and now, Oscars made headlines with the Academy saying it wanted to introduce a new category for most popular film. They said that but had no details to back it up a few months ago, like what the criteria for a popular film would be. So there was an intense backlash. The Academy caved and it all sort of died down. But then this week, the big boss at the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences said there was still interest in bringing in that category. So honestly, who knows what'll happen at this point without the category? It's looking like a very safe bet that a star is born, which is a very popular film will get a lot of Oscar nominations and certainly a few wins Never mind the fact that it will count as a musical at the Golden Globes and it will clean up there the 2018 best picture winner the shape of water finished 46th box office wise so It wasn't terribly popular. The biggest Academy Awards audience on record came in 1998 when the blockbuster Titanic was named Best Picture. Uh, The movies that had big box offices uh, returns and were nominated but didn't win were... Things like Avatar, Jaws, E.T. and the first Star Wars. So it's not like the money makers never get nominated. Uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King was a box office champ that also swept the Oscars. But again, it and Titanic were also both very unique projects. They were staggering productions, the likes of which had never been seen before. And I think they got a lot of credit on the uh, points for difficulty in those ones. Black Panther. This year is also being touted as a genuine Best Picture contender without the new category. I get that it's a step above a lot of the superhero movies as far as the story goes, but I don't see it winning Oscars. Crazy Rich Asians was another big hit this year. I don't think that would win any awards. It was a good movie, but it's not that good as so maybe that could be a popular movie. Who knows? Something like The Incredibles 2 could definitely get nominated. It's in the top three box office-wise this year. and made money very quietly. I feel like I didn't hear anyone talk about The Incredibles 2, but a lot of people obviously went to go see it. It was also well-reviewed, so that might be a legit contender for a Best Picture nominee and certainly a Most Popular nominee and probably a lock in the Best Animated category. So who knows how this will all shake out category-wise this year or down the road, but it does sound like they still Still want to bring in that popular category. And the Oscars are desperate for ratings. Ratings for the 90th Academy Awards fell to an all-time low this past spring. Uh, 26.5 million viewers, which was down almost 20% from the year before. The first time the ceremony had fewer than 30 million viewers in a decade. Hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, the ceremony also clocked in at nearly four hours, making it the longest show in over a decade. The Academy's planning to shorten the ceremony. They're floating the notion that some awards may be handed out during commercial breaks and then fold it into a clip package or something for broadcast. They'll realize how dumb that is as soon as someone references something that no one was watching, was aware of because it happened during the commercial. Also, wouldn't you be miffed if you got your award during the commercial break? I think it's just insulting. So there will be more news from the Academy in the months ahead, but that's sort of where it stands right now. Time to take a look at what's out on home video this week, and one of my favorite movies of the year is coming out on digital HD. Ethan, where are you? I'm jumping out a window! You had a terrible choice to make. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is now the CIA's mission. You don't understand what you're involved in. Where'd you get the car? The CIA's been infiltrated. I don't trust anybody outside of this room. What the hell is you he doing? I find it best not to look. Mission Impossible Fallout. The sixth in the Mission Impossible series, starring Tom Cruise, of course. The last one, Five, Rogue Nation, was one of the best. A lot of days I would call it the best Mission Impossible movie. And Fallout, the new one, is a worthy successor, out Tuesday on digital HD. I don't know how to explain the plot. It's a Mission Impossible movie. There's really no need. By the end of the movie, the plot hardly resembles what we thought it was at the beginning, of course. I would say though that unlike Mission Impossible 3 and 4, I care more about the story in 5 and now 6. Not the plot per se, but the story. It carries more emotional weight for Tom Cruise's Ethan Hunt, or at least the audience could feel it more than in some of those earlier ones. Mission 3 was the one where Philip Seymour Hoffman kidnaps Hunt's wife, but there's still something cold about it that kept you at a distance. Uh, that's all backburner stuff anyways, because come on, we're here for the action. And it does not disappoint. There's a close quarters fight between Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill, and another guy in a washroom that is just brilliant. There's also like a half hour long section that involves several chases through uh, Paris on car and motorcycle. And then I think the switches to London where they're running. Cruise runs more in this movie than he has in any of his other movies. And He's a good runner. It's amazing to watch. And as you know from the trailer, there's some helicopter stunt work that will blow you away. The movie's two and a half hours long. It does. I thought it just zips along. It does take a bit of time to set up, but then when it goes, it really goes. The time flies by. You won't even notice that it's been two and a half hours. The returning cast, reliably great. Pithy one-liners from Ving Reigns. Awkward nerdiness from Simon Pegg. Rebecca Ferguson is a fellow British spy, once again, owns every scene she's in. She's really terrific. I hope she uh, turns up in a lot of other movies, too. Angela Bassett. It sadly gets almost nothing worthwhile to do. Henry Henry Cavill was a great addition to the things here. It's a good move for him. Just being Superman is not a wise career decision. Alec Baldwin gets in on some of the action as well. I wasn't expecting that. He looks like he's having a lot of fun, of course. It is Tom Cruise movie. The whole franchise is his. He's mostly a stuntman at this point, but why not? He's good at it, and he's got to have one more of these in him, but Mission Impossible Fallout, I give four and a half coach cushions out of five. Also coming out on home video this week, The Nun. Brett was underwhelmed by that. He said it had its moment but did not live up to what The Conjuring is capable of, and Jennifer Garner's Peppermint is out on digital HD. Over on hard copy Blu-ray DVD, you can catch Crazy Rich Asians, which I gave three couch cushions out of five to. And that's what's coming out on home video this week. After the break, we'll take another look at the toothiest movie of the year, which is already out on home video, and I think I recommend you see it. We'll talk more about that after the break. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes welcome back to the Coach potatoes i'm jeff brett is off this week and warner brothers sent us a blu-ray this week it's a movie was one of the big hits of the year one of the surprising big hits of the year i saw it in the theater let's talk about it again now it's called the meg she's coming oh boy it was the largest shark that ever existed thought to have been extinct Two million years. The thing's out there. We need to find it and kill it. Why don't you just put a tracker on it? Did you guys ever watch Shark Week? The Meg in cinemas, August 10. The Meg stars Jason Statham, Rain Wilson, Ruby Rose, Cliff Curtis from Fear of the Walking Dead, and uh, some kid. The Meg, is it's a weird movie. A lot of it. Sort of screams B-movie, even TV movie, but it was had a $130 million budget, and that says major motion picture. It looks great. Water-based movies are tough, and I sort of thought this was sort of seamless, although I wasn't really paying that close attention. Uh, It probably wasn't, but it wasn't bad enough to be distracting. All $130 million I thought was up there on the screen, especially with that shark, which I'll get to in a minute. The story of the Meg is pretty simple. Jason Statham is a deep-sea rescuer, in other words... If your submarine loses power and is stuck at the bottom of the ocean, Statham comes down in another sub and rescues you. But one day, his rescue mission goes wrong. This is right at the beginning of the movie. He gets blamed for abandoning some sailors while he claims that the nine people he did rescue would be dead if he had tried to save everyone. And he says the Meg would have killed them all. That was five years ago. Cut to today, where a crew of three people on a special high-tech sub make a startling discovery. The ocean floor is not actually the ocean floor, at least not in this one spot. It's a layer of something else sort of like a cloud that they can punch a hole through and descend through and then they find this whole new ocean under the regular ocean sounds cool but it's actually only like 50 feet deep, the new part, not really worth the billion sunk into this expedition, financed by billionaire Rain Wilson, who plays an Elon Musk-type guy. Of course, what they do find beneath the ocean floor is the Meg, a.k.a. a Megalodon, a.k.a. a giant prehistoric shark. It attacks the crew and hobbles their ship. And one of the crew, by the way, is Statham's ex-wife. That just... Happens to be coincident. Statham, of course, is then set to rescue them. He accidentally sets the Meg loose into the upper waters where it can wreak havoc. Statham and his friends try to kill it. Action and adventure ensue. It's not reinventing the wheel story wise. It's pretty standard blockbuster fare. A tried and true formula, so that actually I thought worked pretty well. As do the visual and special effects. The movie even manages to show you a few things you haven't seen before. And sure, there have been all manner of monsters that are scarier than a giant shark, but this giant shark exists within the parameters of everyday normal life. Uh, I've been in a boat on the ocean, it's easy to imagine what it would feel like if a shark of that same size jumped on it. While the story structure is sound, it is of course ludicrous. At one point Statham swims almost as fast as this shark. He's forever doing things that only Superman could do and there are a number of points where you think just get off the ocean, you idiots. Go to land. What are you going to do? Uh, the real problem with the Meg, though, is the characters, the dialogue. And I would have said the title initially, but actually the title started growing on me after a while. I will also say the title and the advertising played a big part of me wanting to see this movie. They did a really good job with uh, commercials and stuff. But all the characters are paper-thin if they even register at all. A lot of them are played by bad actors, it looks like. Statham, though, is Statham. He's exactly what you would expect with maybe fewer curse words because it's a 14A movie. Cliff Curtis... As the right-hand man is fine, it's not much of a part, but he's good at this sort of thing. Rain Wilson, who we know is Dwight from The Office, is a good actor. He was given terrible lines in this movie. He's supposed to be a smarmy billionaire who's ultimately likable because he's got a witty sense of humor, but the part is too poorly written that he's just... Smarmy, and Wilson is trying his damnedest to make some of the one liners fly, but they're all just so limp and lifeless. There's a token black guy, and that is what he is. It's supposed to be the other comic relief, but he gets even fewer funny lines than Wilson. It's really weird. The whole movie's like that. Someone, you know, will help someone out of the water after a harrowing incident involving the giant shark, which is a great opportunity for some witty repartee to cut the tension, but instead they just go, Thank you. You're welcome. It's just, it's bizarre. Like, give the script to a stand-up comic and get them to punch it up. They could have so easily, with such little effort, made this a much better movie just by trying a little bit harder with something like the dialogue. Um, I don't know like i said 130 million dollar budget add a few hundred thousand dollars to punch up that screenplay it just wouldn't be that much the other brutal and sometimes painful part is the exposition it's delivered so poorly and there's so much of it and it's so clunky again that would benefit from a punch-up there are graceful ways to do it something we've seen before and uh hire a couple better actors wouldn't have hurt either outside of the top build people it's pretty grim amazingly the little kid and it's pretty good her line readings are sometimes atrocious but that's under director for making a kid say something that a kid wouldn't say to begin with she has a lot of charm she and Stathan had some winning chemistry and the other thing i thought that really wins is the shark itself it looks fantastic i don't watch all the shark attack movies but This thing looks like a real animal and it looks like it's really interacting in the physical world of this movie. Uh, Blending the live action and CGI has never been more successful. That's usually where the shark movies fail big time. Um, And it wasn't scary. I'm a renowned scaredy cat that's rated 14a or pg-13 if we go by the old ratings uh and i went to a morning screening initially the first time i saw it when there were a lot of little kids there and i thought oh my god what are what are these parents doing they're gonna scar these kids for life but there's no nudity there's no real cussing there's no gore there's only a couple of jump scares honestly i think jurassic park this year the new one jurassic world Fallen Kingdom was scarier So it's not a horror movie It's just an action-adventure movie Um, I was sort of hoping it would Either be really bad Like fun bad Or be actually good But it's sort of in a frustrating in-between spot Uh, But now that it's out on home video where it costs a little bit less when it was in theaters. I didn't really recommend going to see it. I gave it two and a half couch cushions out of five, but now that you can watch it at home for much cheaper, it's not a bad way to spend an evening and it's, it's definitely worth it just to see how crazy big that shark is again, two and a half couch cushions out of five for the Meg. It's about what you think it is. It's a little frustrating that it wasn't a little bit better. Cause I think with just a little bit, more effort. They could have really had a winner on their hands here but hey it was a big box office success. There will be a Meg too. They can get things right that time. There, that's all the time we have this week. Don't forget if you can't catch us on radio download the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.